Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. Kit Mead had spent an uneasy night. Before retiring, she had taken a sedative, trying to escape from the troublesome thoughts of the previous day. Thoughts brought on by her conversation with Paul Cromwell when he had revealed that he knew the truth about her. Knew how she had deceived him with her promise to divorce Bill Mead and come back to Cromwell. How she had taken Lisa Fenner's baby in the hopes of restoring her marriage to Mead. Then Paul had threatened to expose Kit. In her dreams, Kit kept seeing the accusing faces of Paul and Lisa, Bill and Peggy, her father and Jesse. She tried to run away, but she couldn't. She was held fast by a baby which clung to her. Then the baby had started to cry. She was trying desperately to stop his crying when she awoke. What? Oh, I was dreaming. Oh, Lord, the baby is crying. Why doesn't that woman keep him quiet? She's so blasted efficient. Oh, well, I'll have to see what's the matter. Miss Thorndike. Yes, Mrs. Mead? What's wrong with that child? Why is he yelling like that? Nothing's wrong with her. Time for his morning feeding, that's all. He's hungry. Well, why don't you feed him? I'm warming his bottle now. For heaven's sake, then, hurry up. If I have to listen to that yowling another minute, I'll scream. You must be unduly nervous, Mrs. Mead. It's only natural for a baby to cry occasionally. Well, natural or not, I can't stand it anymore. It seems to me he's always howling. There. Now his breakfast is all ready. <laughs> See? That's all he wanted. <laughs> don't you ever get cross, Mrs. Mead, when you're hungry? Or when things don't go quite the way you want them? What is this, Miss Thorndike? A lesson in child psychology? I'm only trying to make you understand that your child is as much an individual as you are, Mrs. Mead. A very normal young human being with the same capacity for emotional responses that you have yourself. Indeed. And so, if you've ever noticed that you're capable of being unreasonable, you should hardly be surprised if a baby a few months old is sometimes, too. Yes, of course, Miss Thorndike. I'm sure the baby has very good reason to yell sometimes. I've often thought it must be terribly boring to be an infant. Please forgive my barging in like this. I... I haven't been sleeping well lately, and I flew off the handle. Why, certainly, Mrs. Mead, I understand. Would you like me to go down and get you a nice hot cup of coffee? I'm sure Lucy has it ready by now. Oh, meanwhile, you can stay here and superintend your young son's feeding. Oh, uh, no. No, thank you, Miss Conner. It might make you feel a lot better. To tell the truth, I, I think you're a little shy with the baby, Mrs. Mead. <laughs> you shouldn't be. He's the sweetest, best-behaved baby in the world. If only you get to know him. On the contrary, I know him quite as well as I want to. Well, Mrs. Mead, if, if you'll excuse me, I have some things I must do. Unless there was something you wished to tell me. Oh, nothing else. I think we understand each other now. Yes, I, I think we do. I was thinking it's such a nice day, I might take the baby into town if it's all right with you. Oh, anything. Anything at all. Just so long as he's not making a racket. Oh, you poor motherless little baby. Not motherless, but... I almost think you'd be better off if you were. Several hours later, Miss Thorndike appeared on Wakefield's main street wheeling the luxurious tram, then calvited Bobby's little grandson. The baby gurgled happily, pleased at the unusual excursion. 
They made their way down the street to the courthouse square, where Miss Thorndyke parked the pram in the sun and sat down on a bench. Now she gently moves the buggy back and forth while she looks about her. It's such a pretty little town. It's, it's exactly how I'd expect a small American town to look. The courthouse. The main street with the corner drugstore. <laughs> the elite cafe. The hotel. Yes, it is a good place to grow up. Especially with all the material advantages this youngster has. And yet I... I feel sorry for him. Poor little tyke. Luxurious big house on 11th Street is more of a prison than a home. It's a cold house. Cold and empty. Well, hello there, fella. You're looking mighty cheerful. He's <laughs> pleased at being outside. This nasty weather we've been having lately. Oh, yeah. A guy likes to get out in the fresh air once in a while, doesn't he? In the fresh air once in a while, doesn't he? In the fresh air once in a while, doesn't he? In the fresh air once in a while, doesn't he? Excuse me, but this is Mrs. Mead's baby, isn't it? Why, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes? Well, the reason I asked was... Uh, I mean... <laughs> the fact is... I'm the baby's father. His father? Yeah. Oh, Mr. Mead. So you're his father. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wonder that you're surprised. Hey, I, I won't get you into trouble, will I? I mean, standing here talking where everyone can see us. I don't know what you mean. Why well, I mean, I had an idea that maybe you've been forbidden to let me see him. You see, I'm not very popular around the Calvert. Oh. Well, I've never had any special instructions, Mr. Mead. We haven't been able to get out much, as I said, so... I suppose it didn't occur to anyone that we'd be likely to meet. Oh, maybe so. Anyway, I'm awfully glad we did meet up. Gosh, he's grown a lot. He certainly has. <laughs> he's going to be a big boy. He is? Can you really tell at his age? Oh, yes. Well, you can tell a lot by the size of his hands and feet, the general bone structure. <laughs> yes, I think he's going to turn out very much like his father and Bill. <laughs> well, I only hope he isn't all brawn and no brains like his dad. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mead, I hope you're exaggerating. Mm -hmm. No, you, you needn't worry about your son. He's a very smart baby. Oh, gosh, that's swell. Of course, he looks awfully smart to me, but... Then there's just a chance I might be prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> the proud parent? Yeah. Oh, don't feel self-conscious. You have a right to be proud. Yeah, I'm proud of him. But so far, I haven't been much of a father to him. I'm glad he isn't old enough yet to notice things. Know the difference. Well, he... He is old enough to respond to affection, Mr. Mead. Or to notice the lack of it. He is? Gosh, that's been bothering me. It's... Thorndyke. Miss Thorndyke, does he feel any lack of affection at home? I mean, for Mrs. Mead? I wish I could answer that without being unethical. Yeah, that's the hitch. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. I, I understand the spot you're in. It's just that I have a kid on my mind so much of the time, and I feel so helpless. His future... Well, Mr. Mead, perhaps I shouldn't say this, but I think that you're right to be worried. I... I've thought a lot about it myself. You see, you can't help getting attached to a youngster like this when he's in your care. What sort of childhood will he have? What sort of adolescence? The material security, the big house and fancy schools alone don't make happiness. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him now, sound asleep. 
Uh, it makes you feel funny knowing how dependent they are, how helpless. Would you like to pick him up, Mr. Mead? You'd be surprised how heavy he is. Oh, but won't I wake him? Oh, it's all right. He's had his real nap. This is just an extra siesta he's taking. <laughs> Come here, boy. That's right. Oh, support his back with your arm. Uh-huh. His little neck is still pretty wobbly. There. Gosh. Hey, he feels a lot different than the first time I held him. But he's still awful small. As Bill held the baby carefully, looked tenderly into his face, he was thinking, My son, I've got to take care of you, little guy. See that you have love and security. You won't get it at the Calvert's, I know that. And this Miss Thorndike made me realize it all the more. I've got to think of a way somehow. I've got to get you away from me and give you a real home life. And I will, fellow. I don't know how, but I'll manage some way if it's the last thing I do. I know Kit doesn't really love you. And Ben thinks of you as something to own, a piece of property. It's no place for you, no place at all. Now you're going to get the brakes. I'll see that you do, no matter what. Somehow it's going to be you and me together. Yes, Bill. You want the brakes for your son. But there are obstacles you can't foresee standing in your way. How would you feel, Bill, if you were to learn that the baby boy for whom you feel such paternal affection is not, as you believe, your son, but the son of Lisa Fenner, a woman you've never met? 